Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Welcome to the Outwork in America show. We have a great show today. It's kind of an annual tradition here on the Outwork America podcast. We welcome our friend Ben Brooks from Pilot at the beginning of each year. And we actually welcome him about midway through the year as well for a health check uh, midway. But uh, before Ben joins us, Trish, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm buried in snow here in the Midwest. But other than that, fantastic. Yeah, and the snow, Trish, uh, it's good. I'm glad to hear that you're fantastic. The snow is playing havoc, though, with your connection and your connectivity. We've actually had some fun in the pre-show joking around about that. But if we do lose you here and there, just dial back in. We're going to plow through as best we can here on the show. Sounds good. All right. So we must thank our friends at Paychex, of course. This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. The only constant in business is change, and 2023 will be no exception. That's why hundreds of in-house compliance professionals at Paychex have compiled a list of the regulatory issues that could impact businesses the most this year and to help you prepare. In their guide, you can find out about federal and state regulations and programs that may affect your business and your employees in the coming year so you can take appropriate actions now. And visit Paychex.com slash A-W-I-A to check it out today. And thanks to our friends at Paychex, of course. Uh, Trish, let's welcome Ben Brooks to the show. Ben Brooks is the founder and CEO of Pilot, an award-winning employee career development software platform. Inspired by his successful CEO and executive coaching practice, Ben saw an opportunity to democratize executive coaching and empower employees at scale. He invested his life savings into founding the company with a mission of ensuring everyone feels powerful at work. Ben, welcome back to the show. Your triumphant return. How are you? Woo! Crowd goes wild. I'm great. I'm fabulous. I'm fabulous. Glad to be here. What a fun tradition we've created. And I've been looking forward to this all week. I wish we had snow here. Trish has been 320 days since New York City has had snow, the fourth longest stretch in history. Really? So we are, we are, we got a lot, we got plenty of rain, but no snow. Uh, but we'll, well, we'll, that's shocking. So, so send some, send some from Waterloo, Illinois, all the way <laughs> to, to New York City. You, but, you know, you can have it. I built a snowman today, though. I'm a snowman builder. Are you a snowman builder when it comes? Uh, oh yeah, we get we uh, you know try to do some avant garde one, you know, some a one eyeballed one or something or different kind of like a whole crudite face rather than just the carrot. Like bring in you know like some asparagus sticks, like make it you know make it fun, right? Make it Mediterranean maybe you know. So oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. But in 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 and in, in, we do have a Wi-Fi policy at Pilot. We're a remote first company, so this is a thing that not a lot of companies have been talking about. But with everyone working from home, we had to actually have everybody make sure they had appropriate speeds, upgraded routers, the right packages. We even paid for everyone to get hotspots. We paid for the hardware and then they added it to their cell phone plan because it can be pretty stressful if you don't have a hotspot and you do and you're able to join as a result. But that's one of the things that part of the transition to remote work, we actually have to sort of equip our homes for resiliency as well. You know what? I'm glad that you mentioned that because especially in my situation, I'm living outside of a big city. So I'm in a small town of like 10,000 people kind of in the Midwest and middle of nowhere. And you can't always get, even if you have the highest speed package, right? It doesn't always cooperate. And especially during a snowstorm. So 
yeah, you're right. We have to think about these things in the uh, coming years of the way of we're working remotely. Ben, I was thinking about you recently because you're you're well known for folks who know Ben or follow Ben online on social media. Ben is famous, I'll say, not notorious, famous for oh. traveling and going to really exotic places while maintaining, while running pilot, while working with your teams, working with your customers and clients. I don't know if you use the term workation or not, but that's a term people use. But Ben, you've done a lot of that. And I know recently you were uh, had a really fun kind of end of the year into the new year kind of experience. Maybe you could start there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I love to travel. I love to see the world. Part of the reason I like live in New York, people from all over the world uh, are, are from here. And so it inspires me to go see where people are from and things like that. I um, I did create a goal in 2020 that didn't exactly turn out as planned because some things happened in 2020. <laughs> but I wanted to experiment with the idea of that kind of the workcation or, you know, work leisure, they're calling it, um, that, you know, of doing remote work one week per quarter. And distinct from, a, you know, kind of the midpoint between work and a vacation is I still work a full day in these places, but it's nice because then at night I go do stuff or have a meal or tack on the weekend. And so I got to go, you know, to Panama and I, you know, I was in LA, I was in Panama, the country, not, uh, in LA. Um, and I, and I even did um, uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil and then got to go to, you know, Buenos Aires as a part of that. So it was a really wonderful thing. So I'm going to continue it this year. So I'm making those plans right now. But I did take a really fabulous disconnect where I did exactly zero minutes of work, a true vacation. I, I Believe it or not, I, I checked my email on my connecting flight and I went to the Middle East, to the United Arab Emirates. I always wanted to go. And I checked my email on the way there and I did not look at it until I was on the flight on the way back and I was gone for two full weeks. Wow. So this is a stress test. Does my business fall apart? Does that mean do I have good people and process and trust and boundaries and resiliency if you, you you know if you're an executive at a company and you feel like you can't disconnect you may not have a good team you know you may not have good process you may not have already, so it can be kind of a stress test for me to say you know it makes me anxious sometimes that the deal with my anxiety is you know but that's also trust and clarity but also my whole team knows that they have my cell phone number my personal number they can call or text me 24 hours a day if i'm asleep i'll answer when i wake up but that that's how people get a hold of me and to not rely on me being on Slack or email. And so I got to go to a desert camp. I've wanted to go for five years. I wrote this down. People think I'm crazy. I went to this desert camp in the UAE, way south near the Saudi Arabia border, like four hours from Dubai, where you fly into Dubai and drive through Abu Dhabi, you go way, way south. And it's the empty quarter desert, the largest uninterrupted desert in the world. And you go into this resort called the Qasar al-Sarab it's absolutely fabulous. It's an Anantara resort, really, really lux luxe place that the Sheikh built. And you drive, you know, literally hours out in the middle of nowhere. And then you ride camels and do falcons, you know, falconry and archery and stargazing. And you can, you know, go on hike the dunes, did dune bashing where you sort of get like, it's like almost ATVing on these sand dunes. Uh, so it was a wonderful experience. And then Abu Dhabi is where I spent my, my New Year's. Uh, so a wonderful reset. I came back fresh. Uh, and we are absolutely in uh, sixth gear here at Pilot uh, in, you know, as the month starts. Nice. Well, we love looking at the pictures and videos you posted. I was absolutely living vicariously. Um, I think actually of all the things you did, you also went skiing in Dubai, right? Yes. In the largest indoor skiing in the mall. <laughs> you should have seen Steve's face. We're on yeah, video. Yeah. Steve's face. He's like, so wait, skiing in Dubai? I know. How do you? And, yeah. I, I know. That, cute, that, that stumped me a little bit. Yeah. 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 
I was there a few years ago, but I was by myself. Like I was over for a keynote and I, I was there in the mall looking at the ski resort, right? Did not do it. Kicking myself as I'm looking at your pictures. Like, why didn't I do that? I should have done that. But, um, but one of the most fun things I will say that I saw that you post was actually, you were walking through the sand and it looked like water just rippling, like the way that the sand moved. It was so just mesmerizing. And I was going to ask you, because I know you're big into meditation, right? You've been doing that for at least a decade. Could you maybe talk about not just the meditation aspect, but taking a true vacation? I would imagine you come back with sort of inspired, right? I mean, just sort of giving your mind time to think and be creative and sort of explore. How did that setting either aid or, or hinder that sort of creativity for the coming year? Well, I think it's kind of the the set and setting, the mindset and the setting that I'm in, the context I'm in that both affect that. And so, you know, our brains, you know, never had so much stimulus in the history of humanity, right? Evolutionarily. And the fact that, you know, the the breakthrough of cloud technology and mobile that we have our our offices and our purses and our pockets with our smart devices, so-called smart devices, is really cool and great in so many wonderful ways. But, you know, machines, if you don't give them a rest and maintain them, there's a, there's a metric in, in, you know, kind of industrial engineering, mean time between failure. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to figure out the preventative maintenance. You know, you, I remember I toured a UPS facility once, you know, you probably have never seen a UPS truck broken down on the side of the road. And there's a reason because they know the mean time between failures, the amount of time between when you replace a part, like an alternator in a vehicle and when it breaks, and they plan for maintenance before it breaks. Because if you have a truck breakdown, then people don't get, you know, Valentine's Day flowers and birthday gifts and legal documents to sell a house and important things. And so people are no different. We have to kind of think about our meantime between failure because often we get to this point of burnout and then we like we quit jobs or do something really drastic or we have a midlife crisis or something else. It's like, how do we in front of that build that time? So I typically try to think about that as like I find for me personally deep disconnection, two week vacation, at least once a year makes a huge difference. It's not, it's not, it's, it's compared to two, one week vacations. It's like a three week vacation because my second week I am at such a lower vibration. Right. And I'm not, you know, thinking about the tasks of work. So I end up thinking about work a decent amount, but in a really inspired creative way, I read something, I, I dream about something, I get to read other things, et cetera. And so it just makes such a difference. And so I think so much we talk about burnout like it's an employer problem to solve in HR. But a lot of times I think we need to think about it's an employee thing to manage proactively, right? Including disconnection, right? We think connection is great. But if connection is that we're always on and we're just on demand, that is exhausting. So we have to kind of set the boundaries and give ourselves the permission that it's not going to all fall apart and people aren't going to be scorned. People are admired. If you're a manager in particular, set the example. You know, my team knows and they'll try to do a little work while they're on vacation. I said, let's figure out how someone else can do that thing. They can push that email campaign or do that check in or something else. Because even if it's 30 minutes, you have to do something on a week long vacation. You think about it every freaking day. And then the day of you're organizing your whole day around that stupid 30 minute thing. And it's like just not worth it. 
So I, I'm a big believer in sort of this, this, the um, hygiene, right? The sterile environment, right? But that is a lot of it's employee managed because typically it's not like the, the office is calling your phone the whole time. It's that you're getting on email to kind of keep up and see if you can help out and do this stuff. You got to control that impulse and behavior and just know that, you know, the organization is bigger than you, even if you're the owner of it. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, that's, that's a great cool. point. And I was I was just uh, looking at some data, you know, and it's not surprising data, right? We see that that U.S. workers in particular have a really difficult time disconnecting, whether it's for a week or certainly for two weeks is a real challenge. Uh, we're so accustomed, and I do think it's both an employer and employee yes. problem. Ben, I, yep. I don't put this all on employers uh, at all. I yep. do think it's a lot of our own get it into our own heads as individuals that oh my gosh, this will fall apart if I'm not available for three days, or uh, somehow you've uh, uh, cemented your importance to the organization, and it's not you know not for nothing, right? A lot of organizations are undergoing cuts right now. There's lots of companies very, very uh, publicly and uh, well-reported uh, news of a slowdown perhaps and layoffs happening. So there is that natural urge sometimes as, a, as an employee to think, oh my gosh, I I can't go away for a week and be out of touch, right? Completely, because sure. th therefore the organization will think somehow I'm not needed, right? And that's yep. that's a real thing. I think people yep. do feel that. And I do think it does take both, um, both sides of the equation, the manager slash the employer, as well as the employee, right? To get past some of those uh, um, those concerns, right? Yeah, and if you don't, the employer then has turnover, regrettable attrition, right? Part of the way people help themselves out of burnout is they quit, they tap out. And so, you know, I call it job bankruptcy, you blow it up, Looney Tunes style, right? TNT, right? <laughs> and so that is, you know, part of what employers, there's a benefit to the employer helping the employee do their own maintenance, their own rest, right? Because they will have longer tenure, you know, Gusto had some research that the productivity of an employee in year three explodes, right? Mm -hmm. Year one, you're the freaking new guy finding the bathroom, figuring out stuff, right? Year two, you're kind of figuring out your swing. Year three, you know how to get stuff done. You know who the people are. You know the culture. You know the priorities. You know what's real, what's not. Mm -hmm. So if you lose people before they get to that peak productivity, right, real big implications on the organization. So you have to manage as a marathon, not a sprint, because if they just – go all out, you know, for 10 or 12 or 18 months, then they churn. And so versus saying, this is a place I can sustainably, you know, Bamboo HR talks about this, you know, you got to win at work and win outside of work. Mm -hmm. And so you got to help your employees and champion them winning outside of work and whatever's important to them in their lives. Yeah, no, I, that's a great point. I think, you know, and it is unique to each employee as to how, to Steve's point, how secure you feel in the role you have with your leaders that you have, or if you are a manager and, but I guess for you, I'd, I'd like to know what if, um, what would you say to someone maybe, you know, who doesn't have the opportunity to travel to all these exotic places, right? Are there, are there tips or things that you think they could do maybe over the course of a week, hopefully over two weeks to maybe even in their own city kind of rejuvenate? Is there any recommendation? And maybe that gets into the meditation part too, that I, like I alluded to earlier, you're, you know, you're a big proponent of that. What can those employees do? Yeah. Cause it doesn't have the cost necessarily money. There's creative ways. People do apartment swaps or house swaps with people, staycations, other things like that, little kind of uh, 
you know, think about if someone were to come visit your hometown or your city, you know, what would you show them or what would you do? Oh, we'd go to this little park or this island or this spot or this thing. There's a lot of stuff often in our local communities that can give us that escape. But part of it is even vacation is essentially an infrequent or one-off or ad hoc method, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, depending, you know, you think about just how many weeks or days of vacation or number of vacations you go in a year, it's a pretty sporadic and fixed number, right? Mm -hmm. And so thinking about what are the weekly and daily rituals, for me, it's meditation. It may not be for other people, but, you know, I learned meditation 10 years ago. It's a thing that doesn't cost me any money, right? I don't need electricity for it. I can do it in any place, in any time. I can do it when I'm visiting a friend. I can do it at home. I do it when I'm sick, when I'm healthy. So some people, it's their faith, right? It could be prayer or a faith-based tradition. Other people can be, you know, physical exercise or, you know, Pilates or yoga or running or something else like that. So I think figuring out how to build in, right, the maintenance on a smaller basis, right? Because, you know, I'm a pilot, you know, I love airlines, thought I'd be an airline CEO one day. You know, airline airplanes have different kind of maintenance. There's what's called line maintenance, which is sort of if a plane overnight is in, you know, at, a, at an airport in Charlotte, they'll, you know, it's kind of like a lube oil filter. Like you're just checking it. You're looking at a couple of things, making sure the tires and the brakes are good. And then there's like heavy maintenance where you take the skin off the plane, you take the engines off, you look for corrosion, you take all the seats out, right? That's like you're out of, out of commission for a month, right? The plane or longer sometimes. Line maintenance you do overnight, it's kind of this repeated thing. So that plane is ready for an on-time departure the next day, right? So you want to think about yourself, like what are those recurring things? And it's going to be different for each person. But even myself, you know, I'm, I'm the, the, the owner of my business and the CEO, right? I don't have a boss that I report to. And it's still a struggle. The number one person that gets in my way, taking care of myself, is this guy. And I point myself <laughs> in the thumbs, right? So, so that it's also like I just I got out of the you know I, during the pandemic I was doing virtual fitness and didn't go to the gym and that was a big important thing for me. I got you know January finally got a new gym membership, new gym. I'm trying to create a ritual on Wednesday mornings. I went this morning, but still I was like, oh, I should work, I should do this. I'm taking a call, you know. It's like you know you got to figure out these kind of more reasonable things that you can do, not these things where you just are completely fried when you get to your vacation after six months. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, I love that approach, Ben, the airline analogy was fantastic. Like those things you can do every day or every night, whatever your cycle is, if it's meditation in the morning or it's something, even, and technology in a weird way can help us with some of this if we allow it, yeah. even it's, we, you know, even in our small organization, right? And I didn't do do anything to make this work, but every day at like, I think it happens at five or six o'clock, I forget which time now, Microsoft sends me a, hey, it's time to begin your virtual commute. Here's some oh. things. Yeah, it's really cool. And I love yeah. it. And I don't, I don't do it every single day, but incorporated in that is just going over open items, things I didn't finish in the day, or maybe yep. to do's that it wants me to create. But it always ends with, hey, guided breathing exercise or wow. a 10 minute decompressed video or things like that. And it's, it's really, really cool. So it fits into that kind of, okay, every day, at least, even if I only take five minutes to do it, right? It's, I'm kind of giving myself that little bit of, like that said, that like that line maintenance kind of thing that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, it's a super analogy. I'll have to think about that some more. Maybe I can uh, <laughs> incorporate some more of that into into my day to day too. Yeah. Hey, Ben, I wanted to ask you specifically though, I know because we just get to talking, right? We've talked now. This has been, by the way, Trish, this has been, according to my re extensive research uh, uh, provided to us by uh, show producer Karen Steed, uh, this has been sixth appearance on the podcast in one form or another. How about that? So You know what that means? I get a tiara. 
I do. There's a. <laughs> he, get, he gets the gift. He finally gets the gift. So it, Ben, should we tell him? What it is? I I would I would not tell him. I would think this not needs to him? be a surprise. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So there, Ben, you have just joined an elite group of executives, such as let's see who's in the group: Cecile uh, Pierre Larue. Yes, I believe uh, Don Gretchen. Weinstein. I was going to Don Weinstein. Yeah. Okay. All right. Some, some heavy hitters. Some. Be some. watching your mail. I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like the green jacket you get from golf or something like that. But it's pretty. It's pretty darn cool. Let me just say. It's, so yes, be watching yes. your mail. All right. Well, Karen. We'll by the way, later. Karen. Karen's amazing. So thank you, Karen, for the for the uh, the count. I will uh, hopefully make it to seven. Mm, yeah. Year. So yes. One of the things, so Ben, because I, I bring that up because like we do have, we always have notes. We're prepared for the show, but we get to talking about different things. We don't always like reference the notes, but one of the things that was in the show notes, official show notes for today's show to talk to you about, and I wanted to talk to you about this, which is we're still towards the beginning of the year. It's late yep. January as we're recording this. It's still, and I was, I was doing this just this week myself is trying to figure out what am I trying to accomplish both kind of this year in a big, big picture way, but also kind of more narrowly like this quarter, even to this month. And one of the, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is kind of what are some productive ways to so approach goal setting? Cause for me, I think, and maybe for others, it can feel a little daunting it yep. can feel like, oh my gosh, like now it's just, I've created this huge list of things. Now I've. I'm afraid to even be, know how to begin because it's so scary. How do you think about just that approach, both either personally or professionally, or kind of the blend of personal and professional that we talked about a little bit in terms of just uh, approaching big picture? I feel like uh, goals is a little like uh, sort of big data and HR. Like we're all talking about it and pretending we're doing it, but it's not happened that much. Right. You know, oh yeah, goals. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I'm working on my goals. Right. So I think part of it is realizing that very few people are good at goal setting or even set goals. So if you're not that good at it or you haven't set them, you're in good company. You're in the majority. Feel okay. No shame, no resistance around it. But, you know, um, old book, but Brian Tracy had a book called Goals, a really creative title. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there was research around the three most important things that help people achieve their goals, whether they're personal or professional. I got a couple other thoughts on this, but his research said, number one, they defined them. Right. It's hard to meet a goal if you haven't set it. Right. So sort of like you, you, you've defined a goal. Right. Number two, they wrote them down. So to go from kind of something in your head to something on paper or digitally is perfect. And number three, and this is a really critical one. They shared that with other people. Mm. That could be your spouse, your best friend, your boss, your neighbor, your roommate, your clergy. It, it, it could be anybody. But so important, you know, define a goal, write it down, share it with others. Because all of a sudden people are like, oh, if you talk to this, I, I can help. Like people get enrolled. People want to help each other and they have suggestions and ideas. So it's really important. And, and whether you're, you might go, oh my gosh, already this point in January, I've missed my, it's like, just like a birthday when I, I'm, I'm a September baby. Get all freaked out about where I'm at in life in September because it's my freaking birthday. <laughs> but I'm not like that in August and I'm not like that in October, Right. So it's right. so January 1st, it's artificial and you can use it productively, but you don't want to have it be a negative. And to Steve, to your point, you mentioned kind of that laundry list that's sort of daunting. Mm -hmm. One thing that I, I totally do, this is my failure mode and dysfunction. So I will collapse brainstorming with prioritization. 
and I'm a really good brainstormer. Like, I'm like, if I play Pictionary, like what it could be. And I'm like, da, 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 da. like I have a million thoughts about what it could be. <laughs> so, but you have to select a reasonable, prioritized, meaningful list. Because what it ends up being is it's not your ceiling to what you could achieve or accomplish in a year. It's your floor. Okay. And you want to think about a reasonable standard, something that you think you could reasonably achieve. Because what often happens is goals move from a feature to a bug. There's this thing that was supposed to like motivate us and give us purpose and clarity and focus. And then it turns into something that demotivates us and overwhelms us and has us distracted because it's a laundry list. So thinking about goals that are reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And the priority, there's a, there's a framework called the wheel of life. It takes 60 seconds. You can Google wheel of life assessment. It's free. And there's, you know, different components, you know, your family and your, you know, your health and friendship and love. And you just assess on a one through 10 scale where you're at. It can start to help you focus even visually about which categories you might want. And if something is going well, you might not need a goal in it, right? You know, you, you, every year you max out your 401k and you do a good job of making some other savings and you're in a good spot on savings. Well, maybe that's not your goal, but you it's on your physical health or it's on having more fun or being more social or being more connected with your family. So, you know, also realize that you're not going to work on every area of your life at the same time, right? It, like, you know, as I'm building pilot in the early years, and even now there's other areas in my life that are not green, right? They're yellow or red. And like, those are trade-offs, you know, it's kind of that old saying you can have it all, just not all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So figure out what you want now, also given the context, right? You know, you just had a baby. Maybe it's not the year you're going to have an eight pack or run a marathon, <laughs> right? It's a trait. You have a beautiful baby, hopefully beautiful baby, but you know, maybe, you know, uh, a baby of some kind, right? You think it's beautiful. You know, average baby's fine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know, so, so Steve, that's some of my thoughts around yeah. goals. And, and in particular, to set goals beyond work, because sometimes we'll have a performance management system, we'll be in work day or do, you know, something like that. And we'll like list out our goals, UKG, something like that. We'll list out our goals for work. And sometimes they're meaningful, sometimes they're not, but less often we list them in our personal lives. And so then sometimes what happens at work really irritates us or we get really stressed or we're obsessed about work on vacations we talked about earlier because we haven't taken a portfolio approach. We haven't diversified, mm -hmm. right? Hopefully you didn't put all of your retirement into Tesla stock, right? Mm -hmm. You want to diversify. Well, you don't yeah. want to put all of your goals into one slice called your job or your career. You want to think about others. So if your job's a little bit off or something happens or maybe unfortunately you got laid off or something you have a balanced view and you don't feel like your world is ending because you, your world is many different things. Yeah. I, I love all of those examples you gave Ben. And I think one of the things I appreciate about you is that you do um, share these publicly. So I wanted to mention, you know, I saw them on Twitter. I think you shared them on Facebook and other places, but you called them development objectives, but yep. in essence, right. They were, they were limited. They were just yep. a few, but I love this idea of, like you said, networking, holding yourself, not only accountable, I also kind of see like a manifestation. I'm some that sort of believes in that. If you put it in writing and you sort of put it out into the world, you're more likely to have something happen because other people will want to jump on board with you and be like, oh, I know a person or I've done that before or whatever. Right. Um, my question though, is if you're setting all of, you know, say two or three things that you, you have intent around for your year and whether that's like you, I'd rather do it at some random time than, than January one, 
because I think everyone is so sidetracked with holidays and everything else that's happening. To me, it's almost better to do it. I I usually take end of January as my time personally to sort of set some things yeah. up because things no, are kind no, of the Lunar New Year. You're on the Lunar New Year schedule. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. right. You're the yeah, rabbit. Well, Here we are. Exactly. Yeah. I'm the rabbit. Um, but I guess my question to you would be like, if you're someone who, you know, maybe you set three intentions for your year, right? Around both work and personal. What if you see that one is really becoming impossible or derailing, right? I think a lot of times I hear people get stuck. I've heard this both in my HR, you know, world of work um, or in personal life and people then freeze and they don't do anything. What, how would you handle that? If this was your own, you know, say you've set intent for three things this year and now one of them is either not achievable for whatever reason, how do you kind of recommend resetting yourself and, and getting either back on track or onto a different track. Yeah, I think we get sort of, um, we auger ourselves into our own rigidity around these things. So it's good to have rigor from the perspective of, you know, integrity and focus, but context can change. And so Bain created this term around strategy for a business called continuous strategy. And if you think about product organizations in the HR tech space, they have a product roadmap, right? The idea is you don't make a five-year product roadmap, right? Because imagine being, you know, Microsoft five years ago, Teams wasn't even a product, right? right? But then Zoom came around and pandemic and everything else. They had to reorganize their priorities based upon new information and new context. So you may have set something at the end of January and you realize, oh my gosh, like, Something totally changed. I got to take care of somebody. My job changed. I'm moving. My health is different. So it's okay to continually reset what those things are. Now, if it's something that you still want to really have happen, sometimes we overscope or we overshoot. We think, you know what? I'm going to write a book this year. Well, you talk to people that write a book, especially a great book, it often doesn't happen in just a tight year, right? There's like kind of maybe if you're getting a publisher, shopping the idea or taking writing classes or learning how to this or creating your time. Or like, so you may find that you need to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this portion of the vision of writing a book. Eventually, I'm going to take a writing class, right? So sometimes it's sort of de-scoping to meaningfully make progress against the thing that you wanted and not look at it as a failure, but to you know rate yourself as green. This is important with startups and small businesses, right? That it's sometimes it's hard to predict exactly when something's going to happen or how far it's going to be. Oftentimes we'll get into something like, oh, we're like, I'm going to build a pool in my backyard. And you're like, yeah, we'll just like call the pool person and they'll just like build a pool. And it's all sounds like, oh my gosh, permits and insurance and design and those are concrete shortage supply chain, right? You know, it turns out to be way more complicated. So you've got to then say, okay, like let me, knowing that this turned out to be 10 times more complicated, let me redefine in this period of time how far I'm going to get and I'm going to feel successful with that. And so for instance, even for me this year, I want to work out more regularly. You know, I trained for a half marathon last year and did that and it was incredible, but I want to kind of have more varied workouts. And I first was like, oh, I have a body fat goal. I'm like, I don't, there's all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to instead do two meaningful workouts a week, right? And I'm logging, I'm going to create a little Google form, drops mm -hmm. it a Google spreadsheet. You can do it on Gmail for free if you got it. It doesn't cost you any money. But like, I just did this sort of thing. So I had a meaningful workout today. It's one of my two this week. And so that for me is more, sometimes you focus on the input rather than the output. The output could be eight pack or 12% body fat. For me, I'm focusing on the input and that's enough, right? So in psychology, therapists will often help people define and coaches as well. What is enough? 
Because if you don't define enough, whatever you do will typically always be insufficient against an infinite scale. And then you'll feel bad about yourself. You'll feel like you're not moving forward enough in life and you're a loser. Or you're not driven enough. Or you didn't try hard enough. And it's this really negative self loop versus enough for me is two. I didn't say like seven workouts a week. I can't execute that. Right. <laughs> two I have defined as enough. And why? Because I said so. Yeah. Right. What I like too about that, Ben, is that it's not, I almost feel like sometimes goals can be limiting, mm-hmm. right? You, I may set a goal for myself to lose 20 pounds, right? But, but that's arbitrary. It's just this random like number, right? It's yep. not meaningful to your point of the input. I like the focus on the inputs because I think that that's something that you can more reasonably do. And yes. then you don't even know what the outcome might be sometime. And I think that's okay. The goal to just be healthier versus, you know, and same thing in your work, right? You might not even know what that goal is, but by putting intent around it, putting it out into the world, like you said, whether that's someone in your close inner circle or whether it's publicly like you did, it, it gives other people that opportunity to buy into the intent and, and the outcome could be far greater than you would have ever imagined on your own too. Completely. And and I think that's anchoring into the why of a goal. So some people write, I want to read a book every month. Okay, cool. Why? Mm -hmm. Right. Is that because you want to be smarter about a thing? Is that because you want time with yourself? It's like sort of peaceful and serene. Do you you want to escape? You want to be inspired? And then when you often, the reason we set goals is we want to feel a particular way. So anchoring the goal actually around the feeling. I want to feel more ease, Right. And you maybe get really curious, how do I feel ease? Like, what do I know about ease? When do I have it? When do I not? And so often, sometimes it seems a little bit arbitrary or squishy, but setting goals and intentions around a feeling or an experience, you know, and there's certain things where it's like, I really want, you know, I wanted to go to that desert camp in the UAE and damn it. I said, I'm going to go, but I didn't put a timeline on it. I said, like, I want to, it was on my list. But one of my goals I put on my list this year was I want to take a grand adventure with my friends. I don't know if that's going to be in Japan or Greece or on Long Island. But mm-hmm. Ben, are but we like, friends? We're friends, you know, right? We're friends, we're friends, right? But like a grand, a grand, well, you know, a grand. Sounds like, sounds like we're fishing for an invite there. Too. You know, you know, Do you I want mean, to come to Waterloo, Illinois for a grand adventure, Ben? I feel like there could be some grand adventures in Waterloo. I feel like, you know. Yeah, you, you hurry right out there. You can go for a snow, freezing cold and no Wi-Fi. It sounds awesome. I'm not Just even going to live there. here. We're going to have to do a grand adventure in Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. There, there we go. My, 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 my hometown. So, but, but that's that, that sort of Daniel Laporte's an author talks about desire mapping. And there's some methods around this that you get to what's yeah. the desire underneath it. Cause we often, you know, set these goals that it's like, it's kind of like, are we looking good to ourselves or the, the you want to work, watch out for the S word. I should. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a stop sign. Stop, drop, okay. roll. Right. Because should is generally not a great place because things that we should do, like think of things that our mother or father told us we should do. Resistance, breakdowns, fights, gritting your teeth, et cetera. So slow down is like, do I want to do that? You know, maybe yeah. it's a thing you need to do. That's different than a thing you should do. Yeah. Okay. You've given us a lot to think about. I know, I know. This is I love the I love the beginning of the year conversations with Ben we've done for the last few years because it just helps us maybe think about things a little bit, things that we're trying to get through, whether it's goal setting or planning on how to sort of meaningful meaningfully kind of keep some boundaries between work and not work, which is really, really tough and it can be tougher. Uh 
I don't really do predictions or trends too much anymore. We did them for a long time. I sort of gotten out of that business, Ben. I don't know if you're big into the trends or the predictions for the year, but one of the things I I have uh, I wanted to ask you about was just is there a uh, is it a word? Is it a theme? Is it something you're thinking about? You you came back from your two weeks off, right? You said you thought about work some, you know, in a more kind of deeper way and maybe a little bit more strategic way, if that even is a fair word to use. Is there is there something you're thinking about as you approach 2023, either both from pilot as as an organization, as a business, or just uh, a little bit more broadly as, as as a leader, as a tech executive, as an owner, et cetera? Is there one or two things you're thinking about? This is the year of this. Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's tough thing about predictions is nobody can predict the future. Yeah. Um, and the predictions that are the most accurate are based on past based cyclical patterns and things like that. Right. So it's, is it really the future or is it the past? Right. Yeah. I think an area that I have a lot of energy around, so I don't know if it's a prediction, but it's an area I have a lot of energy around um, is the idea of vibrancy. Okay. So, you know, aliveness. Right. And so at pilot, one of our five values is vibrant. We define that as being alive in our interactions. And alive doesn't mean always cheery or Pollyanna or anything. <laughs> alive could be that we're sad. We, we had the loss in our family. We're expressing that. We're upset about mass shooting that's happened or something else like that. So, but there's, I think, a missing vibrancy in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing sort of, you know, what we thought of gig work was driving a ride share or delivering food. You know, people are in six figure gig work jobs, their salaried vice president title roles. But it's sort of log in, log out, pretty transactional. We're not developing and fostering the relationships that we had in person. We're not sharing our whole selves. We don't know. I don't know beyond your screen, Steve, what's happening, where you are right now. I don't know what your struggles are, what you're excited about. That's why shows like this are great because it helps to bring some of these things out. Yeah. But for me, vibrancy, I think, is going to be a big part of, of really having people be excited about work again. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not just a grind and it's not just a gig. And I think that that's really is humans, right? You know, with, uh, um, Dave Logan, um, University of Southern California wrote a book. I mean, he said, you know, uh, uh, fish school, birds flock and humans tribe, tribal leadership. And, you know, you think about a tribe, right? You know, from an evolutionary perspective, you know, on the planes, you came together, you did things, you supported, you celebrated, you, you know, you collaborated, you were a collective, you pulled resources and, you know, sort of the communal part of it. And I think it's very easy in the digital age and working from home to, you know, drive down your suburban, you know, house, open the garage door, put your car in, close it, be sort of hermetically sealed from the world and just selectively look at the notifications in your phone. If you want to talk to anyone and just sort of doom scroll or binge or, mm -hmm. you know, or things in. And so I think that there's a vibrancy and that's why people want to get back to conferences and events they want to be meeting at offsites and in person. They want to be having these learning experiences. People, more people than ever I know are wanting to go to a, a meditation or a yoga retreat or a psychedelics thing or something else. People are ex just excited for the vibrancy. So, Steve, that's mm -hmm. kind of – I like I'm, it. I don't, I don't know if, if you've got a, a thing that you and Trish are seeing because I'd love to know that as well. Yeah, Trish, I, I was waiting for Trish to chime in because that's usually she would on something like that. Yeah, I, I think for me it's uh yeah, trying to be a little bit more uh a little bit more uh, open, a little bit more open to connect. I've been very, very uh insular and met for a long time for various reasons. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to do a little bit more of that. Uh we're we're we Trish and I have talked about our travel schedules, like events we're gonna try to get to. We're specifically trying to get to some new ones this year. 
you know, in order to meet some new people, do have some new experiences. I'm excited. We've got one coming up uh, and I'm excited because it's a place I haven't been in a long time. Right. For for just a city, just a north. It's, it's in Philadelphia, which is fine, right, so- fine, fine city. I want not Philadelphia. It's just it's fine. But yeah. I just haven't been there in 20 years, probably. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go to Philadelphia. That'll be fun. So I guess for me, that's that's maybe it. Yeah. For me, it's about being intentional, too. I I want to not just I feel like the last couple of years have been letting things happen or not knowing what was going to happen because of just the way the world was working. And now I feel a little bit more able to be intentional about the network I choose to be part of, um, making new friends, which is very difficult when you're older, you know, or can be scary. And so even if it starts on social, which, you know, that seems a, a very comfortable way for a lot of people to sort of meet people um, but yes, just interacting, being intentional about who I interact with more people I don't know as well. And then kind of to Steve's point, trying to find ways to then meet them in real life, meet in person and see what happens there. But I love, I love this idea of vibrancy. And I think that really ties back to your, your talk about anchoring, you know, goals around feeling, um, yes. cause I think we do sort of operate a lot or you can operate without much feeling in, mm-hmm. in our day to day. So I think yeah. that would be interesting if I incorporate that with intent would be good for the year. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, this has been super fun. I love the check-in. I love our January sort of begin the year with Ben kind of routine. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm already going to like pitch Ben to come back in, you know, maybe July or so mid year. If we can, if you're not off, you know, gallivanting and having that, what's the word you used, Ben, the adventure, the adventure somewhere in the world the with Trish, that Trish may or may not be a part of. We'll see, but uh, we'll try to get you on the, on the books to come back. We didn't really get to talk about pilot all that much, Ben, but the website is pilot.coach, right. For everything that's happening at pilot pilot, you know, again, award winning multiple award winning uh, uh, technology company, democratizing uh, coaching and, and learning and just doing great, great things. Ben, just real quick, just give us, you know, 60 seconds on pilot real quick. Well, we were excited. Diageo, the spirits company that makes like Johnny Walker and Kettle One and Tanqueray, Don Julio, uh, we're, we have a great relationship with them. They named us their supplier of the year. Wow. Excellence. And so great company, really well run, great culture, really big commitment to DEI. Um, we also just won a competition with EY, the, the, the Ernst Young, um, part of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce, a, nation, a nationwide business pitch competition. Um, but, you know, we had, we, you know, as, as a lot of companies are laying off, we've been hiring like crazy. Um, Fantastic. Really wonderful to be a jobs creator. It's very meaningful. Um, and pilots helping organizations be vibrant. We're helping people, you know, HR leaders are really desperate to figure out, you know, re- retention is the number one priority, even in the face of layoffs, right? It's still a tight labor market for talent. So we're really helping people with, with HR leaders with retention, the DEI part. It's like, hey, we've made, we've made a lot of talk. We haven't done a lot of walk. And so we're helping them invest in underrepresented talent, right? And also to figure out that vibrancy and the employee experience and engagement in a hybrid or remote work context, pilot helps sort of oxygenate the, the culture 
and really has everyone, our mission is for everyone to feel powerful at work. So we're excited. We're working with a bunch of uh, big companies all over the world. We're, it's fun. We're deployed all over Asia and, and uh, Pacific, and we're in all over EMEA and things. So it's actually getting this global reach that I could never do, you know, on Zoom calls or with an airplane or anything like that. So it's really fun to see the team awesome. grow and to reach more people. So Boy, um, yeah. we, we can be helpful to anyone listening to this. We would love to talk. Yeah, absolutely. Go to pilot.coach, learn more, find Ben. You can find him. He's out there and he's uh, more than willing to to engage with you on, on what your organization needs and, and try to help, right? And that's what Pilot's all about. It's like helping people kind of be their best, right? And be successful at work, which is why it's it's a great mission and a great a great group of folks there. And we love working with Ben and the entire team. Ben's got a, ben has got a wonderful team that it's a pleasure to work with uh, every time we do. So thank you to them. Uh, great stuff, Trish. I, I love it. Great to see Ben, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I think too, if you, you know, if you listen to this episode, the ideas, the creativity, the passion that you have been, all of those things really embody what pilot is. So I think they've been getting to know what the company is all about just by hearing you speak about your own personal journey um, as a leader and just personally. So thank you for sharing all of those details. And I was thinking back today, I mean, You've sort of been my unofficial uh, executive coach for many, many, many <laughs> years, um, and I do appreciate it. I think you you always come up with things I haven't heard of or things, you know, resources. You mentioned three or four today that we'll put in the show no- notes that people can go and check out and, you know, help build their own skills and, and expand their thoughts and creative side as well. So thank you for sharing all that. That's a very generous acknowledgement. I'll put out there one of my goals this year is to get out more myself, Steve, like you mentioned, new events, new things, new audiences. So I'm, I'm just going to put out there that I'm looking to get in front of more people to share this empowerment message, to speak media stuff, other things that we can help. Um, and uh, a lot of that's already starting to come together. So I'm just, you know, again, part of, you know, I mentioned the, you know, write, state a goal, write it down and share with others. I'm trying to share with others right Doing now. It. This, is, this is one of my goals is to be in front of more HR audiences at conferences, media, inside of companies. I'll come to fly out and speak with you, et cetera. But I just, you know, I think there's a, a message that people need to hear that this is possible and people get into HR to make a difference. And we want to help people make a difference. Absolutely. That's a great way to kind of put a bow on it. I think uh, Ben Brooks from Pilot, thanks so much once again for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again mid-year. Uh, Trish, thank you. Get your Wi-Fi held up. Uh, stay warm out there in the snowy Midwest. Yeah. Uh, my name is Steve Bowes. I want to thank our friends at Paychex, of course, for all their support. Uh, you can learn more about what they're up to at Paychex.com. And again, thanks for listening to the At Work America show, all the show archives at hrhappyhour.net. We will see you next time. And bye for now. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.